everybody. Welcome back to another episode of That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens. My name's Jamie. My name is Bree, and we're two sides of the coin. Hey, Bree. Hey. So, it's Tuesday? It is Tuesday Booze Day. We had the pleasure of getting to speak with Jeremy Corbell. This interview is so good, and it has so much information inside of it, and we're really excited because his documentary is coming out, The Hunt for the Skinwalker, today on September today. 11th. Rip. Rip. I... Wait, can we, let's just have a moment of silence for 9-11? Thank you. So from what I understand, this was a very purposeful release date. Absolutely. There's a lot of government involvement with Skinwalker Ranch. That I think a lot of people aren't really aware of. I think even we're not even aware of half of it. No. So I cannot wait to watch this film. We will think of a million other questions to ask him that we didn't get the chance to in this interview. I think we're going to be enlightened in this film. It's going to be incredible. I think it's just going to blow the lid off the entire thing. You know, a lot of us just know the Skinwalker Ranch story and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But it really goes so much deeper than that. And there's so many layers to this story. And I think that Jeremy is the expert person to really just strip away all the pieces that we cannot see with just the naked eye. Jeremy is someone I would consider to be like a really heavy hitter when it comes to the world of kind of paranormal documentaries. I don't know if our listeners have watched Patient 17, but that was such an incredible movie and that was really my introduction to Jeremy. Yeah, he has a lot of good films out that you guys can all check on his website, Extraordinary Beliefs. He's just very about exposure. He's just like, let me put it out there for what it is. He doesn't go after any belief systems. Or conclusions. Right, which is even more powerful. And I love that he reflected to ancient aliens in this Mm -hmm. because even ancient aliens, each episode will really try to sway your mind into believing one thing that they suggest, but then at the very end will say, well, we still don't know the answers. But Jeremy doesn't even do that. Throughout the entire film, when he puts all these things together, he doesn't offer any suggestive conclusion at all. Yeah, I think although we express our opinions, what we maybe believe some things are here on the podcast, at the end of almost every episode, we say to you guys, go out and do the research yourself, come to your own conclusions. We hope that we're just getting you interested in the topic and that you can look even further and maybe you find something we didn't see. And that's something I really admire about Jeremy because he has that same approach. He's not trying to sway you one way or the other. He's just trying to put the best evidence possible in front of you. He definitely doesn't come about things the way that I do. The way that he puts things together, being so neutral in it, I'm not like that. A lot of people that aren't already into this can actually look at it and it's just an open point of mind where I'm already kind of have a viewpoint, I have emotions involved, and so I can't present things to a nuts and bolts person. I've kind of just come to that conclusion because I'm not wired that way, but so many people are. Jeremy has a lot of importance in what he does because he can reach those people that I can't. You know, let's just jump right in to the interview and you guys listen because it's fantastic. Hi! Hi, Bree and Jamie. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. We actually met at Contact. Is that correct? Yes. yes. All right. Good to actually uh, get on the phone with you. I didn't know you had a cool show. Yeah. it's uh, We've been going at it for about a year now, so it's still fresh. Yeah. 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 I've looked it up. It's very cool. I listened to um, a couple episodes. Cool. Oh, thank you. Awesome. <laughs> 
All right, so do you want to introduce yourself to our audience? Sure, my name is Jeremy Corbell. I'm currently making documentary films on all things extraordinary, including a lot of the topics I think that you, Bree, and Jamie cover on the show. So uh, that's why I'm here. I'm happy to talk about any of my films or experiences with it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, thank you so much for coming. Our first question is, is what really got you into documenting the unknown? That was kind of accidental. I mean, I was a mixed martial arts fighter. I trained jujitsu my whole life. That's all I thought I'd ever do. And then I got an illness and wasn't able to physically do that work anymore for a while. And that kind of brought me into fine art and documentary. So really it was it was a documentary crew filming my artwork and I was thinking what they're doing is so much fucking cooler than what I'm doing. So that's what I want to learn to do. And I realized very quickly that having a camera you know, in my hands and asking people questions was kind of like a passport into the unknown. You know, the camera itself became uh, a weapon. You know, it became an, an opportunity to get into people's uh, minds and into their their stories. So that was very cool. And I just saw a huge need to explore these topics from a rational and, and humanistic standpoint, rather than one of fantasy and faith and belief. You know, these experiences are either happening or they're not. And so that's a matter of us looking at it rationally and saying, you know, can we document at least the experiences people are claiming to have had? So that's what got me interested. That's awesome. Just like you, curiosity. Yeah, <laughs> curiosity. So our listeners are fairly familiar with Skinwalker Ranch, but could you tell us about the film? We've been waiting for this to come out. It feels like forever. Forever, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you could just tell us about it. Sure. Well, actually, it's funny because this is the fastest film I ever put together. I mean, I've been documenting about the ranch for years, but never thought there would be an opportunity, you know, to actually tell this story. Uh, you will see from the film, um, we all know about Skinwalker Ranch, or if, if you don't, just let me give you the basics. So it's northeastern Utah. There is a ranch that is used as a living laboratory to study all sorts of varied phenomena that include UFOs but are not limited to UFOs. So everything that you would consider paranormal actually, you know, occurs or is reported to occur there as well. Historically, for the last 20 years, there's been an owner, Robert Bigelow, Bigelow Aerospace, put the beam inflatable space station up on the International Space Station. You know, has been involved in ufology for a long time. We now know through the uh, government Pentagon releases, and we're going to learn more through my movie, that there was a funding put towards studying Skinwalker Ranch through the 22 million that the New York Times reported on. So that's a big thing that I'll be revealing in, in my film. Wow. But yeah, that this is a location of high activity. Hundreds of reported phenomena around and at Skinwalker Ranch for decades. It's the most famous paranormal hotspot in history. So the unique opportunity that has you know, come to light, my mentor in journalism, George Knapp, has been documenting as a journalist the ranch, had to keep quiet about it, but he's been documenting it for over two decades. I was bugging him, pestering him, trying to get him to release some of this info. I was able to have access to the, the video footage the world has never seen, over 40 hours worth, documents, all sorts of stuff he kind of let me in on. And this opportunity arose, change of ownership of the ranch. There's a new owner. And that owner and I have a good working relationship and I'm really grateful and, you know, basically allowed me for the first time ever to film at and on the ranch current modern day to bring guests and to bring that footage off for your viewing pleasure, as well as over two decades of archive footage from my mentor, George Knapp. So all of that is in this film. It tells the basic story, but also shows you visually some of what uh, has been so mysterious all these years. 
Wow. Do you find that what has happened at the ranch is still continuing to this day? That it's not something that has just stopped, it's it's continued on? Yeah, well, I mean, in, in fact, it, it has continued on. Let, let's make a really important separation here. The ranch is not the end-all and be-all of the activity in the Uinta Basin. The, the ranch was used as a living laboratory because it's kind of an island in a sovereign nation of Native American land. So it, it was a place that could be used for these studies, both we know as now private industry study, but also governmental study. The Defense Intelligence Agency ran a program off the ranch. We now know that. The intelligence branch of the Pentagon. That is all known. That is coming out in my movie, but it is something that can be found out. So the ranch is a unique living laboratory, but it is it is not the hub to all activity as far as I'm concerned. The activity is homogenous all throughout the Uinta Basin. People have, have been having these experiences, locals have been having these experiences for decades and beyond, probably hundreds if not thousands of years. The activity can fluctuate. It'll go up or down. From what we can tell, it doesn't like to be observed. The intelligence manifesting and performing at and around the ranch doesn't appear to like to be, be documented. And this is the problem that the scientists ran into, the PhD level scientists employed by Robert Bigelow, as well as by the Defense Intelligence Agency, that uh, it kind of went underground. It stopped manifesting in these bold displays of like cattle mutilations. But it's back. I mean, I'll tell you that much. I mean, I got photographs as recently as a couple months ago from recent mutilations right on the edge of the ranch property in the Uinta Basin. So yeah. It's going on still. So is the current owner that has the ranch now currently continuing on this like living lab and these experiments? Absolutely. So that will be highly detailed in my movie. There's a good chunk where actually the new owner goes on camera with me. First question I ask is why are you keeping your identity secret? And he corrected me and said, I'm keeping my identity confidential because I have a large, vast business empire and both of those worlds would disrupt the other. So he comes right out at the very beginning when he presents in my film where you can see why he's kind of his voice is distorted and I have him where you can't see his face it, it's because he, he takes this very seriously and he doesn't want his business empire to affect his work at the ranch or his work at the ranch to affect his affect his business empire uh, he doesn't want it influenced and he is continuing the studies and he talks about that in my film and in the bonus material piece there's like a 10 minute uh, piece of him talking about that. So when you get the film, you can, you'll can you get the bonus material on iTunes and you can see that for yourself. So yes, the activity. We also hear that Robert Bigelow is gonna be inside the movie. Rumors are a hell of a thing, aren't they? They are. <laughs> so I can only imagine what it would be like for us to show up at the ranch. What was it like for you to actually step foot there? Yeah, I think like, like anybody, uh, you know, there's a lot of intrigue You've been, I've been hearing about it, you know, for a long time and, and directly through George Knapp and our work together. So I felt like I had a lot of, I did have a lot of insight into deeply what's been going on there, stuff that hasn't been made public. So then, you know, being allowed to go, I mean, this is like the Area 51 of the paranormal. Less people have been around, uh, allowed on that ranch than at Area 51. It was a great honor to be able to go there. So of course, you know, you have this, um, sense that you're going somewhere where anything could happen and of course you want to see something you want to it, you know you want to have the proof yourself that something is going on there my reaction to that was to be 
over skeptical, you know, was to bring extra skeptical attitude to it. Because when you're put in an environment where people, it's like a Rorschach test, you know, I've talked with people that have gone there and, oh my God, if they didn't see everything under the sun and everything they wanted to, I mean, I just can't believe it, to be honest with you. Uh, it's too much. So when I went, I was, for the first time, I was very skeptical. I just wanted to really analyze and make sure I wasn't taken for a ride. So that was kind of the way that I looked at it. And I think it was a healthy way to look at it. It was with a lot of respect because if any of these stories are true, you want to be careful. Have you come to any consensus on what the driving force is that's kind of behind the phenomenon that's happening out at the ranch? I, I don't think anybody has. I think if people claim to have an understanding of it, uh, you should walk away immediately. I think it's total bullshit. I think people try to impose their own will and their own desire and their own philosophies and and fantasies on what's going on there. We don't know. Nobody knows. Scientists after seven years of studying daily at the ranch, 24 hours around the clock, don't know for sure. We can say definitively that the extraterrestrial hypothesis, it's a fly in the ointment because it does not fit. It does not fit the data of what's going on there. What's going on there is so far beyond just the, the extraterrestrial hypothesis that you need to expand that hypothesis to, to suit everything. Because there, there are everything from UFOs to creatures to what they call blue meanies, which are these blue orbs that induce an external and irrational fear in the brain somehow. There's cattle mutilations. There's appearances of, of huge kind of otherworldly creatures. I mean, there's just strange occurrences. One of the, the scientists there, uh, John B. Alexander, who worked with NIDS, you might know, he said whatever is there is some sort of precognitive sentient intelligence, meaning it's, it's an intelligence. Cumulatively, it's an intelligence, but it, it's precognitive, meaning it, it can know your next move even before you know it. And that's a strange thought. One of the things the Defense Intelligence Agency wanted to study, of course, was, you know, precognitive ability for warfare or portholes, you know, how to get, how to deploy vehicles of warfare somewhere instantaneously. That was another interest, you know, was this, uh, this apparent porthole experience where craft will fly through, which happens at the ranch. Is there anything that really shocked you about what was going on there? Was there anything in particular that really jumped out at you that made you kind of take a step back and be like, what the fuck? Well, <laughs> luckily nothing actually jumped out of me. I would have had a heart attack. <laughs> but um, I, look, all of it is shocking. Again, if any of this is true, and, and there's a lot of people that studied this you know, for our government and also in private industry who will never come forward, who I've had the privilege of being able to talk with. So I, I've heard the story inside and out. I'm very lucky and fortunate to have but it leaves me absolutely baffled. These were real events. These events were documented. There were elements of physical proof for everything that occurred there. Look, it was a very intense scientific study. It was all shocking. For, for me, the personal experience, there, there were two that are of note. You know, one is I was dealing with trying to get an interview by one of the, the, the tribal law enforcement there and he pulls me aside and shows me a video on his cell phone and he wouldn't give it to me, but it was an astounding video. It was a video of a flying, a big flying saucer type thing, looking at it, uh, hovering over a house in the Uinta Basin. And these types of things are very common there. They're, they're not out of place. And he pulled me aside and said, you know, look, you're here hunting 
this thing, whatever this is. And he says, I've seen people like you do that and they have been hurt. They have been harmed. And I, I, I want to warn you that this is real. This is not fictitious. We don't go searching for this. It's like a car crash when we experience it out of the blue, nowhere. Boom. There we are. And, you know, in the Uinta Basin, the, the, the law enforcement, travel law enforcement in particular, they need to take every account seriously when they get a call, no matter what it sounds like, because there have been consequences. And as he's telling me this, I'm looking at the other officer, neither of whom wanted to go on camera. Neither of them are telling me this, you know, just for shits and giggles. I mean, they're telling me this because they're genuinely concerned for my, for what I'm doing there in the basin with my team. And he looks at his partner and his partner kind of nods and he goes and tells me the story. He was talking about his partner being harmed and how this thing attached to him, like they call him the hitchhiker in the defense intelligence agency, some sort of entity or intelligence that seems to uh, provoke a response from you and then follows you like a virus and it infects your family psychologically. So that was really frightening, you know, the, the prospect of that. However, I had no encounter. I don't think that I'm have gone insane from it, you know, so far, so good. But everybody tells me you still got a chance, Jeremy, to go crazy. So we'll see. But uh, what, whatever it is that's there, the real impact, and you'll see this in my movie, the real impact is on the psychology of the people that live there, the constant knowledge that they live amongst another presence, and that presence is in control. And, and there's a very some very emotional moments in, in my movie because I try not to just tell the story of the ranch. I try to show you uh, the effects that this has had on people who live there, the questions they have, the people that have been harmed. And so all of that is in my film. Do you think that what could be going on there could be some type of portal like you mentioned? Because when we did this episode, we kind of went through all the possibilities in our minds, like what could possibly be going on that involves so many different types of phenomena? And one of the things that we could think of was it could possibly be a portal, some type of rip in dimensions where things are coming in and out of. I've heard other people say, oh, it's a hell mouth. I mean, you hear all kinds of crazy reasons for what this could be. Do you find yourself collecting any type of personal belief on what it could be? Oh, I fight against collecting a personal belief on what it could be because every time you think you got it, it changes form and, and you're just wrong. And by doing that, you pigeonhole yourself into not seeing the rest of the data and the information. So I've actually been trained to not pigeonhole myself into personal belief until the evidence is just overwhelming. But there are ways that we can propose certain belief systems that, you know, we can consider them all. We should consider them all. And and that is what was done by Dr. Colin Kelleher and uh, George Knapp in their book, Hunt for the Skinwalker, same title as my movie because the movie is really based on my relationship with those two. And in the book, they do propose different theories. One of the theories is that there is some sort of dimensional or temporal porthole. And in that porthole, a perforation to our basic consensus reality that there is an input and an output of data or information between those two firmaments. You know, So that's the idea of a porthole, that there is a break somewhere and that that's why you get animals that have been uh, extinct you know, for thousands of years that seem to appear on the ranch. That's how you get these craft that come through. And most popularly, that's my one of my favorite stories, that's how you get the two scientists looking at this orange glowing interdimensional looking porthole that's geometric and inverted and out of it crawls 
this 700-pound black beast shoving its elbows on the sides, plopping onto the ground and walking off into the forest. Oh yeah, that was reported by two of the physicists or scientists that worked there at the ranch. And finally, we were able to tell that story. And in my film, you can hear them telling that story. So pretty crazy. Don't know. Might be portholes. Don't know what another dimension is. We have no way to really uh, you know, validate that because we have no way to scientifically prove for another dimension. We have string theory, which is a theory. So we don't know. And a hellmouth? No <laughs> idea what that is. That sounds scary as shit, though. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that whatever is going on there has to be ancient? This has been going on forever before even stories that could have been passed down throughout the ages way before then do you think that it originated from way beyond we can even think of yeah i mean there's no way to determine it uh and it depends what you consider ancient we know that it these types of experiences have been occurring since the beginning of recorded human history so with that said yeah that's pretty ancient to me i mean you have you know the conqueror alexander and he has accounts of silver shields on fire manipulating warfare by shooting beams down on walls and breaking them apart both sides of the war describe this so yeah this idea of flying saucers or ufos or creatures or entities or close encounters they've been reported since the moments humans have been reporting anything so yeah it's ancient. Do you have like a favorite thing that you studied while you were working on this documentary? Is there something in particular like, you know, Bigfoot in that area that really caught your eye that kind of, you maybe fixated on a little bit that you were really intrigued with? Wow. I mean, you know, I, I'm a nuts and bolts kind of guy. I love the flying saucer accounts, you know, or not even saucers, just UFOs. So I, I particularly like those because I don't know what to say to somebody that said they saw a shadow being follow me inches away from my body through the kitchen at Skinwalker Ranch, <laughs> which they reported freaked out and we got off the ranch and, you know, hardcore military badass dude who just freaked out because they saw something I didn't. You know, so whatever this thing was, it was following me. If it was there, I mean, the dude saw it, right? So that that's weird, but I'm not, you know, I, I think ghosts, it's amazing. People are like afraid of ghosts. I invite them because I know what their kryptonite is. You ever want to get a ghost to leave you alone? Just hold up his cell phone. <laughs> no one has ever caught anything on film. It's like UFOs. You want to not get abducted? Hold up a cell phone. Take a photo. It'll vanish. Right? But flying saucers are really neat. Yeah. Flying saucers are really neat and UFOs are really neat because there is a hardcore physical element to them, a tangible element, a machine, a technology element. It appears at least that there is all of this. So one of the cases that I document in the film is a gentleman named Corey who's a native from the area and he's a very understated, honest individual and there are multiple witnesses to this singular event where, I mean, he could have jumped in the air and smacked the, you know, the, the tail end of this UFO. It was that close to him. And it actually kind of shouted into his mind, you're really going to miss your family. You better go inside. Huh? That's so scary. Yeah, and he automatically just kind of went inside. No matter how cool it was, he didn't want to. He's like, fuck this. I don't want to lose my mm -mm. family. So that, that kind of case is documented and shown in my movie. And it really gives you a sense of how real this is. It's one thing for me to tell you that story. It's another thing for you to see the guy recount it at the location where it happened. And you judge for yourself. Is he telling the truth? And there's all this auxiliary evidence to it. I mean, there was a power outage that day. Other people saw the red and blue lights that were shining off this thing, you know, from a distance. 
it's not just one guy telling the story. It's a bunch of people seeing parts of it and then you seeing it all come together in the movie. I told you this when we were at Contact, but I really appreciate the way that you come across with all of the things that you document because since you are such a nuts and bolts guy, you present information in a way that's, this is what I have, take a look at it. You don't put your own personal belief out there and try to sway someone to believe one way or the other. You just collect all the information and you put it out there. And with your last film that I watched, Patient 17, I told you I was able to show that to my family. Like, hey guys, this is weird, but just watch it. And because you documented it in a way that was just presenting evidence, it was not pushing anyone anywhere or not, I think people are more willing to accept what's in front of them when there isn't someone's personal belief behind it. It's like it gives them the space to choose from a neutral position rather than someone telling them it's this way, it's that way. And so I think that this film is going to be really, really exciting. I think it might change a lot of people's opinions that don't believe in anything like this because I can see that you're just going to put all of the situations out in front of us and then leave us to just kind of wander. And I think that's a really great way to come about anything that you're trying to get people to look at, especially with ufology, any of these parents normal things there's a lot of personal belief behind it i think it just works with whatever you're doing i I really appreciate the the sentiment and you know i'm it excites me that that is the way that you know you are perceiving the the film work that i do and the fact you could show it to your family and be like hey it's a cool movie check this out and they could engage that topic that is so cool so obviously um i'm very happy that that's the way my work is being received Yes, this film is is similar in, in that in that tonality because that's the tonality that I come from. And ultimately, convincing anybody of anything is is fruitless. You know, it, it's easy earned, easy lost. If you convince somebody of something, they haven't come to it on their own, and they will flip flop immediately if they're given any counter evidence, no matter how weak it is. So coming to our own conclusions is really important. And the fact of the matter is, it's a human error in our humanity in our the, the way that we can't accept not understanding or knowing something so we impose all these fabricated views on things that then limit our ability to understand them and that's just part of being human you know we find faces in rocks because that our brains are hardwired to see the symmetry of faces same thing with belief systems we all want to believe that we know the answer and the truth and that the universe is sound because we understand it and the fact is that's not the case (laughs) Yeah, I definitely think you bring things to people in such a palatable way, and especially with this, you know, the Skinwalker movie coming out on September 11th, correct? Yeah, that's right. September 11th is going to drop hard. Uh, We're super excited. I think it's interesting because I think a lot of people who would never necessarily be involved in this kind of field or be interested in these kind of topics are going to flock to your film because how much of a question is out there, especially with the internet being as big as it is and you have this access to free information and everybody's talking about it and everyone wants answers. And I think a lot of people are going to look to this documentary for answers. And it's kind of a double-edged sword because you want lots of people to watch it, but you also want to inform people like, I don't have an answer. I'm just I'm <laughs> checking it out like you guys. Yeah, this is so funny. This has been like a huge topic for me because I'm also making the Bob Lazar film, which is, you know, the definitive documentary after 30 years with full authorization and working with me, Bob Lazar. I mean, this is the Elvis of ufology, right? So this is like one of the biggest movies that could ever be made in the whole field of ufology for the next hundred years. It's a big responsibility to tell this story. It's a very important story. Uh, However, 
I think everybody's expecting this film for me to take every little page out of the book of what happened in Bob's life and try to prove or disprove it. And that is just not what my film is. That is not the methodology of my filmmaking. And so, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It's a double-edged sword. So people will come to this film and they'll want me to, like ancient aliens, to just tell them what the theory is and try to prove it to them. And it's just, <laughs> it is not the truth. It's not how I make films. My films require you to turn your brain on rather than just me jamming ideas down your throat. And uh, yeah, look, that's just what it is. However, I do feel that people are going to walk away with uh, real empowerment because just look at it this way. How much footage have you had access to out of history of Skinwalker Ranch where it's filmed on the ranch with the direct individuals who, who directly engage this for our government and for private industry? You have zero. You have zero seconds of footage. So all of a sudden, you're going to have two hours and seven minutes of a movie. And they're going to have about an hour and a half of bonus material. So you are getting so much more to wrap your mind around this mystery and so much more visually than the world has ever had. So that's the real gift to all of us is that this footage is now out and it's open. So now it's up to everybody to turn on their brains and make their own decision. It will give you something is my point. It might not give you what you want, but it's going to give you what you need. <laughs> So is uh, your next film with Bob Lazar, is that still coming out in December of this year? It's coming out December 4th at midnight. That So that December 3rd, December 4th, midnight, that it's dropping. There's no stopping it. It is coming out on that date at that time. There's actually going to be a world premiere in Los Angeles at this incredible theater. So funny, called Theater. <laughs> so pretentious. At the Ace Hotel. It is one of the most beautiful theaters on the planet. It looks like a Gaudi drip castle. It was made, uh, I think, 20s or 30s, Charlie Chaplin and all them, you know, to show their films. It is this beautiful, beautiful theater in downtown LA. And Bob Lazar and I will be hosting that evening. Uh, and it will be open. Tickets will be open to the public. It's very limited seating, but it's going to be open to the public. Anybody can buy a ticket and watch that world premiere hosted by me and Bob. Oh God, I was just going to ask, where can we get a ticket? Where do we go? What wait list do I need to be put on? I'll fly the there second, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The second it goes live online. And I'm making it really inexpensive and, you know, and democratic. You jump on the site. You buy a ticket for 20 bucks. That's it. It's the world. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm making it really accessible to everybody. And, and hopefully I don't shoot myself in the foot because it's it's <laughs> cost a pity penny to do this. Like, you know, I really hope enough people come to cover the cost, but it's going to be amazing. I imagine they would. Yeah, I don't think you're going to have an issue filling seats whatsoever. I mean, no, I don't in my opinion, I think that as far as modern times, I think it really starts with Bob Lazar. I mean, of course, people say, you know, the crash at Roswell. But really, what all of this starts was with Bob Lazar. And it's such an incredible story. So I cannot wait to see what you've put together. I think that's exciting. I don't think people talk about him enough. Right. And I, well, and that that's going to change. I mean, his story was so powerful. The reason you know the words Area 51 is because of Bob Lazar. It's because George Knapp brought him on the news in shadow. He told his story. People have been trying to debunk him for 30 years. But every time we turn the corner, it's just something comes at you. How could he know? And that's the thing. Bob knew stuff. And so people like to debunk him. You know, oh, he didn't go to, you know, college and get these degrees you know maybe not i don't know i really don't know i can't prove definitively that bob has the education he said he had however 
I, I can prove definitively that he knew the times of the test flights of what appeared to be a flying saucer moving through the atmosphere. He showed people on three different occasions. On one occasion, they actually filmed it outside of Area 51. He knew all sorts of stuff. And, and it, it, it's incredible how things after 30 years start ringing true and, and we start finding out more information. So really this movie, what I hope is that it revitalizes your interest in the story. It lights the fuse so you will investigate it yourself. But what it will do is it will show you who Bob Lazar is. It will let you into his daily life. And that has never been done. And that then shows you somebody, humanizes them. You're going to have a real hard time, you know, coming up with the same old ways to dehumanize Bob Lazar, to belittle his story, if you really know who he is and know the people that surround him and his family and friends and what people closest to him think about him after 30 years. Do they think Bob's telling the truth or do they think he's lying? Who is Bob Lazar? You know, that's what this movie is about. What do you think made him open up to you? Because if I'm not mistaken, it appeared that he was more out in the public telling the story and then he really backed off for a while. And he didn't want anything to do with any more interviews or telling people the story yeah. for a while. Why do you think he decided to start sharing his story? Well, I mean, clearly it's my charming personality. <laughs> oh, most likely. Most likely. And yeah. dashing good looks. And dashing good. Thank you. I was going to say. No, I mean, look, the, the fact is this. Bob Lazar is a reluctant UFO messiah. He only came forward to save his own ass at the beginning. The reason he came on the news in shadow at first with George Knapp is because he was fearing for his life. That is fact. That is true. People can't accept that because they don't know his personal friends at the time. They haven't talked to everybody like I have. Let me tell you, that's true. That's Bob was fearing for his life. So he came forward. He never wanted to talk. He was forced to talk. And then once he talked, he doesn't like the limelight. He didn't want to continue talking. He didn't want, he has profited zero off of the UFO story. It has only harmed his life. Then he got a divorce because of the UFO stuff that went down. It really, for a time, destroyed his life. And he's been so burned by it. So no, he didn't want to talk. He's uncomfortable talking. He's allergic to interviews. <laughs> he hasn't talked over 30 years. The only person he's talked to over 30 years is George not because George pesters him and pesters him and gets him to give him, you know, a soundbite for his newscast or something like that. You know, George has done an incredible job of not only opening the story, validating it and taking it, you know, to the final degree of trying to prove or disprove Bob. But after 30 years, I think Bob is sick and tired of the way that people have twisted his story, lied about him, made really mean, hurtful lies about him. And I, yeah, I think it, I think at some point it gets so out of control, you know, you have a desire to right the wrong. And I think I, I offered as a friend, I offered to Bob that I would, you know, do the story as long as there were no restrictions on me. Like if I found uh, he was lying, I'd say he's lying. Just let me tell the story. And, uh, yeah, and he did. And he opened up every aspect of his life, gave me a cell phone, let me call his mom. I mean, anything I wanted to do, anybody I wanted to talk with, Bob has helped me. That is super interesting. I always thought it was so strange that he never wanted to talk. You know, there's a lot of these people that have these stories, an abduction story or scenario, and then, you know, they're at every UFO conference. They're telling their story every chance that they get. And you see the same people that are always up telling lectures same experiences over and over again and bob's never been that type of person so do you think maybe after the film is released that 
we might see him around at these different events? Do you think he'll start opening up and talking for himself about what he's learned? Or is this just like him, like, I'm, this is it. I'm putting the story out there. Don't want to talk about <laughs> it anymore. I'm done with it. You got it, Jamie. That's it. There is no talking. I mean, Bob has <laughs> zero interest. If you understood how much I need to put in to getting like, you know, a 30-minute chunk of Bob on film... I mean, I'll go live with him for over a week at a time, you know, filming his daily life. And it's like, you know, herding cats. I'm like, <laughs> he does not like to to be on camera. He does not like to talk about it. It brings up bad memories, bad times. I think it makes him uncomfortable and annoyed. Uh, so, no, he will absolutely certainly not be on any UFO lecture <laughs> circuit. He will not be telling his story, especially for money. He doesn't want anything from it. He's just telling you what happened to him. If you can't believe it. That is your problem, not his. Ooh, I like that. It's you know, bow. Yeah, and it's definitely, it's really intriguing that he so much doesn't want to talk about it because it seems like a lot of people in this field, I mean, that we've encountered, really like coming out and talking about their experiences. So it makes me really kind of admire him and almost believe him even more because he's so annoyed with it. It kind of brings like a level to truth of it that you don't necessarily get from other people who talk about their experiences so openly. Of, of course. I mean, look, you know, let's look at this rationally. There are people going around saying that they, you know, were surgeons on aliens and shit and they're making a dime a dozen. They're making tons of money. And they're selling their little mercurial, you know, oils that are supposed to help you with this or that. It's fucking bullshit. Let's be honest. No, I know who you're talking no, about. No, I, I mean, funny. look. It's my, it's, well, no, they're, they're, they're all yeah. like that. They're all like that. Everybody you see that's constantly peddling their wares up there. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Let's just be honest. Now, I don't want to, you know, rain on anybody's parade. Look, it's totally cool if you want to believe these people, but they have no fucking proof. None of them. They don't have an iota of proof. If they represent something as proof to you, trust me, it's not proof. So it's sad. Now, does that mean their story's not true? Yeah, probably. But <laughs> I, I, you know, my point is, um, okay, nice story. If you got nothing to back it up, go home. You know, so you're sitting there and you're propagating this mythology and I'm 99.9% for sure. You're full of shit, right? <laughs> and, and you just want to, you know, make a quick buck and you've learned from the best charlatans out there, you know, so you want to make your best buck and you want to sell your little oils and your crystals and you want, I got nothing wrong with oils. There's nothing wrong with crystals. What I got something wrong with is people knowingly taking advantage of other people's true curiosity by imposing a false narrative on them and then selling them crystals and oils. That's what bothers me. So these charlatans should shut up and go home and I'm really sick and tired of them. We should demand as viewers and as an audience, we should demand a higher level of evidence. We should wanna know the truth, not just enjoy it, right? It's fun, I agree with that. It's fun to hear these stories, but really this is important and we should demand a higher level of evidence. So this must be kind of hard for you when you do go to these different conferences and events because it's kind of turning more into that, a lot of more of these people. Yeah, I noticed that, you know, some of the events that we go to have gone from the more conscious side of things and a kind of more moving towards that Hollywood side of things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think it's always been like this, to be honest with you. I think it's just been in different guises. You know, maybe there was a time in ufology when there was some critical thinking going on. Um, you know, certainly there is some critical thinking going on in the field of ufology. You know, th th there is. I mean, it's an interesting time. Just announced 22 million through the New York Times. 
All of that, by the way, leads back to Skinwalker Ranch, and my film is going to show you that. Nice. So that's really exciting that the entire thing you've heard from the 22 million in the New York Times from Harry Reid, all of that started with Skinwalker Ranch, and it all leads back to Skinwalker Ranch. There was not just a tip, one UFO study. There were two. There were two UFO studies, and one was much larger. And that's the one that my film focuses on, on Skinwalker Ranch. So it is an interesting time in ufology. There is critical and rational thinking going on. Yes, there is this uh, strange occurrence where these people are saying the most outrageous, ridiculous BS stories and getting on TV and propagating this mythology and everybody's making a buck off of you. And they're giving you a certain type of Kool-Aid to drink saying, believe this, right? <laughs> Absolutely, that is happening. But But on the other hand, that's been happening ever since this topic was interesting that was happening back in the 50s that was you know with these um contactees now some of this might be true for sure i i'm open to that but 99.9 percent of it is not you're a really heavy hitter when it comes to topics you know patient 17 skinwalker ranch bob lazar what's the next topic that you want to tackle sleep <laughs> i study sleep I want to study how I can learn to sleep and not make more films. Um, no, I, you know, look, there are so many, I have filmed way more than people know. I have footage and full documentaries that are ready to go when the time is right. Mm. I really believe that you only put something out when people are ready to engage that topic. So Skinwalker Ranch, it's important. Now's the time because it relates back to all the news going on about our government's study of UFOs. So it is time for that movie. Similarly, Bob Lazar, 30 year anniversary. Wow. It is time for that story again. This is 30 years later. That's when I'm releasing it. So I don't know what the next movie is gonna be. I have a lot of options. Most importantly, it's gotta be something that I think if I put it out, it's gonna have an effect on people and it's going to encourage them to become participants, active participants in discovering more about this mystery. If it's by doing a podcast like you guys are doing, uh, if it's writing books, great. If it's doing investigations, wonderful. As long as it motivates people to get involved because we need more people, more bright minds to kind of cut through the BS that we're seeing in this field. One thing I've heard you say that I was, it was so inspiring because I felt like, yes, that's what we do, was weaponizing your curiosity. I loved that terminology that you put out there, and I would love more people to get into that, actually get involved. The words itself, just you're curious, but do something about it. Act on it. Be a part of what's happening. Don't just sit back and consume. Be a participant. Yeah, that's exactly, you're exactly right. I find it baffling how easily you got that and how other people, you know, write me hate mail about using those terms. What do you mean? Weaponize what? What is this a fight? Is this a war? <laughs> oh, fucking hell. You're an idiot. Yeah, just forget about no, it. I, I really... The PC world that we live in yeah. today is just ridiculous some fucking times. Exactly. So I appreciate very much that you understand that. And that is what happened to me. It was like an atom bomb that went off in my consciousness. I was like, I am no longer going to sit there and watch these stupid little UFO videos and try to piece everything together. I'm going to go talk with people. I'm going to film people. I'm going to report on this. I'm going to try to move the ball forward. And people that are BSing, I'm going to I'm gonna say they're BSing, or I believe they're BSing. And people that I think are true, I'm going to say I think they're telling the truth. You know, try to be really upfront, not just everything is created equal. You should give everybody the ability to be understood and believed. No, that's just not true. It's just not true. It's like everybody winning a trophy at a baseball game. <laughs> you know what? 
sometimes you lose and sometimes you win and that's what's we can't all be winners <laughs> you know you know what i mean it's just like we, we can't pretend that all things are created equal there are some people that have better information than others there are some people you should believe because they have a track record of telling the truth compared to other people i mean it's very simple absolutely so before we wrap up here jeremy i have one more question for you and we ask all of our interviews this dun, dun, dun. what was your first experience with UFOs, like your very first that you remembered that kind of got you hooked in on it? Well, I've, I've never had a, a UFO experience. I mean, per, oh. personally, you know, I mean, I've seen things in the sky. Well, I guess I have. I've seen things in the sky. I have no idea what they are. I've seen something on my land before, a glowing orb that has come towards me. I don't know what that really? is. Really? Yeah, yeah, I had a weird, weird experience. That, uh, you know, it's so funny because I'm always the guy that doesn't see shit. And everybody's <laughs> like, my back is turned. And it's like everybody starts screaming and looking in the sky. I'm like, oh, my God, it's so annoying. But then, you know, one time I, I did see something I truly cannot explain. And and it was wild. So I guess it's fair to say I did have a UFO experience. But that wasn't the first thing. The first thing was when I was 13 years old in 1989, listening to Bob Lazar on the radio with George Knapp and hearing his story and his description of the propulsion systems and how the craft operated by generating a gravity amplified wave. Unbelievable. Flipped my script, totally weaponized my, my, my curiosity and got me interested in this topic. So that was it. On the record, Bob Lazar, 1989, hearing him on the radio. That's what did it for me. I was all in. That's Incredible. a good story. So why don't you tell everyone where they can find the movie at? Okay, so the movie is available on all pay-per-view platforms. I would recommend going to iTunes if you have that. If you don't, go to Amazon, which is just through a web browser. If you don't have that, well, everybody has that. If you don't, <laughs> go to Vimeo, and Vimeo also you know, has the movie with, with the bonus material. But I'd go to iTunes first or Vimeo, because both of those have the bonus material, and look up Hunt for the Skinwalker, and that is the movie. If you get confused, just go to my website. Everything is on there, which is extraordinarybeliefs.com. All my past movies, current movies, and upcoming movies like the Lazar film coming out in December. And where can our listeners find you on social media? Everywhere. <laughs> is all of it at Jeremy Corbell? It's really hard to miss me. You know, <laughs> wish it was harder to contact me. It's actually really easy. It's super easy. I even found you on Reddit, so that was not hard at all. I'm on Reddit. Awesome. I'm sure. I'm sure it's your assistant, but you you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's very easy to contact me. Unfortunately, uh, for my work schedule, but I love people. I really much enjoy conversation, and so so that's why I have social media everywhere because you know, let's talk about this. Absolutely. Well, we want to thank you so much for coming yes, on. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's such an honor just to have you on the show. I think. You're an extraordinary person. Your work is extraordinary. Everything that you do is so artistic and straightforward. And I think it's just a gem in this entire muck of crap that is swirling around in yeah, this whole situation. You're really, really making a difference, especially to people who are like us. You know, we're younger and, you know, we're not as experienced, but we definitely look up to what you're doing. And it makes us have so much hope for the future that more people are going to do what you do. Well, thanks so much, guys. And it's really a pleasure to see that you have created a platform for you to engage people and this topic and that's exactly what this is all about is being involved and checking this out because there's so much cool stuff to learn and to understand through this and nothing has been uncovered we're still at you know square one so it's, it's kind of ripe for exploration this whole field so yeah just keep up what you're doing i'll continue to watch and listen to your show and um i know you guys are gonna do some great things so just keep it up can't wait thanks so much for having me on thank, thank you, you. Thank have you a so really good day. day take care all right you guys
All right. That interview was fantastic. It was so much fun. Hopefully when the Bob Lazar documentary comes out, we'll be able to get him back on to talk more. That would be awesome. And we gotta get tickets to go to that fucking film, though. Oh my god, no, we have to. I'm, like, so down. Uh, That's our Christmas present. If anyone asks, we're going to L.A. for a movie premiere. Well, then, I guess the person to ask is our boss. That's the Christmas present. Ugh. Let's not even... Let's not let's even... Not drag down the episode. Exactly. <laughs> really quickly, let's just talk about our conscious quote of the day. Conscious quote of the day is going to be by Mark Twain. He said, Truth is stranger than fiction, but it is because fiction is obligated to stick to possibilities truth isn't. Our conversation with Jeremy Corbell really got me thinking about truth, how we all perceive it, and all the different information that is really coming at us with this entire field. There's a lot of gray areas. And sometimes it can be hard to maneuver and weave through finding the truth in this whole swimming pool of ideas, things that people come at us saying is true and and this is what's happening and this is what's happening or no, this is really what's happening. And it's kind of up to us to decipher what is truth in this. And it's also (coughs) remembering that truth is stranger than fiction. So Even if something's completely outrageous, don't throw it out because it could be true. But we really need to maintain a state of awareness and really be thoughtful about what we're taking on as our truth when we hear it. So this is actually one of my favorite Mark Twain quotes, and we've talked about it before early, early on in the podcast. And it's one of the most misquoted quotes because people always think that it wasn't Mark Twain who said it. And they, you know, attribute it to, you know, like Neil deGrasse Tyson says it a lot. So everyone assumes that he was the one to originate it but the fact is is that it was Mark Twain and I've always said that fact is so much better than fiction I've said it so many times on this podcast I've said it so many times in my real life there's just experiences that you have that I could have never written down on paper as a made-up story Mm -hmm. and that sounds so batshit crazy but yet are so true and this whole thing with the skinwalker it walks that line. Mm -hmm. It walks that line of it just being so completely outrageous that it might sound completely made up, but a lot of it is fact. A lot of it is going on. Our government is taking this seriously. We really have to look at these things as a possibility. I couldn't agree with you more. I think, especially when it comes to this field, it's about being open to the possibility that literally anything is possible but then at the same time being able to kind of weave through bullshit and that's the hard part that's the hard part and that's the struggle that we live every day i think as time's gone by i've adapted things to be my truth and then i've dropped them along the way i think that's just going to keep happening you know it's a roller coaster you're going to believe certain things and maybe get to a point where you don't believe it anymore and it's just it's difficult in this field but all that matters is that we're chasing after it Absolutely. All right, Brie, let's jump right into our collective favorite part of the episode. Shout outs. All right, Brie, let's start off with our favorite people in the whole wide world, our patrons. Let's start at the skeptic level. We have Jan from the Good, the the Bad, bad, and the Just Just Plain Plain Standard Standard podcast. podcast. Then we jump into our truth seekers, which is Shayna, Jamie's mom. Destiny from space. Hey, Destiny. And Simon at Outroversion, uh, he actually found us on Reddit. And he got all of our stickers in the mail. We sent him a sweet little package. Oh, awesome. We're going to kind of blur the line here a little bit. And we're going to introduce you to someone who's a skeptic and also a truth seeker. Our new friend of the show, Adam. Adam hosts a super cool podcast called Not For Everyone. And he hosts it with one of our middle bitches, Bobby. Um, And you guys can find them at Not For Everyone Podcast. 
podcast. Um, look them up on like iTunes. Make sure that you leave them a review if you go listen there. Really check them out. We're big fans. They're both really super cool people. Speaking of metal bitches, Raya. Hey, Raya. Raya's actually going to be here. Yeah, in, like, she's coming to visit. Two weeks. So exciting. It's really cool to have a listener and then to build a relationship and then for them to come down to our little town just to hang out with us. Yeah, we're definitely going to be recording some episodes. It's really awesome. I cannot wait for that. Uh, shout out to Scotty. That's Scotty Dotal. Our other middle bitch, our first original middle bitch. The OG middle bitch. And he received all of his uh, face stickers in the mail. Cool. Yes. We also have AB. AB. AB may also made her own category. She is a middle bitch and a skeptic. Ooh. Ooh, and we love you so much for supporting us. And AP's going to be coming on She's soon, awesome. too. We're oh. going to be interviewing. She decided. She was like, first, she was like, all I want to do is like write yeah. it out. And then now she messaged me the other day, and she was like, I just think I have to come that on and talk so it out. so funny. I was thinking about her the other day. I was thinking, you didn't get to hear the rest of like her story. Or like, does she not want to share it at all anymore? But that's awesome that now she's like, nope, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm in. I'm down. Uh, that is amazing. I cannot wait for that. And our new patron at the highest tier that we have is our Anything is Possible possible tier. Our first ever anything is possible tier. That's amazing. Yes, and his name's Matt and we're super stoked about him. We definitely talk. He's been sliding into our DMs and we've been having really good conversations. Thank you so much, Matt. I think that's awesome. You just added another level for us and it's just so exciting to have all of you guys supporting us. We really appreciate it. We, we dedicate so much to this podcast, so much of our time and our energy to put something together for people to listen to. And it feels so rewarding to have you guys kind of reciprocate that love and support. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, f- I feel such a connection to all of you guys. Like, you don't understand what you guys are doing is helping us create what we create and like we want all of you guys to be a part of it and that's why we interact with so many of our patrons so much like Mm -hmm. I mean at this point Scotty we talk so much to him and you know Raya texts us every day and I talk to Bobby and and Adam all the time and you know AP has my phone number so it's so nice to build really good connections with you guys and we just we appreciate it so much that you want to help us do this yeah like you're not just a random screen name we've built one-on-one relationships with you guys and that's just the most rewarding thing absolutely so let's get into our usual suspects. The usuals. Uh, I guess we'll start off with Brian Jackson. Brian Jackson. Brian Jackson, I love you. Love you. Thank you Miss for going you. on. Your beautiful face. Thank you for going on um, Two Schmucks and a Mic and talking about us again, even though it annoyed them. Yeah, so speaking of Two Schmucks and a Mic, Two Schmucks and a no, Mic. Two Schmucks, no fucks. Two Schmucks, no fucks. Uh, let's shout out Mike Barra. I doubt he's listening, but he usually no, comes in our lives. That's funny. I was thinking he probably never listens, probably never but listens. he supports us from afar. He really does. We love you, Mike Barra. And Ozcat408. Hey, Oscar. Oscar. Uh, Veronica and her daughter, at Ollie V and at Cali Girl. Love you, gals. And everybody at Moonplay Cosmetics. So we met Moonplay Cosmetics down when we were at Alien Con, and we just show each other so much love on our Instagram. I go like all their photos. They go like all ours. We always chit chat. You guys are all so sweet there. And thank you so much. And Ashley at Mom Butts, you beautiful, beautiful soul. I know we haven't heard from you. I know that you're moving. So hit us up soon. Yeah. Shout out to Wokemore. And John Perry, Designs by Perry. Hopefully we're going to also work with getting him back on the podcast here soon. Yeah, he, he DM'd us and he wants to go over some conspiracy stuff. So hopefully we'll be doing that soon. I for sure want to do an episode with him for our Patreon, where we can kind of get into some nitty gritty. and oh, I, that would be cool. And I really want to talk more about his special effects stuff. Yeah. And I think that that'd be perfect for the pre-pod. That would be actually. Good actually, idea. Speaking, speaking of the other podcast I'm talking about, 
you guys should really go to our Patreon. Even if you donate just a dollar a month, you have access to what we're calling the pre-pod, which is kind of all the special extra stuff that Brie takes out of all the episodes that are kind of put into a small format. Each episode ranges from about five to 20 minutes, maybe sometimes longer. I know I posted one last week that was like an hour and a half long about us just yelling about God. So it's kind of all those things that don't necessarily have to do with the podcast, but- They sort of do. They sort of do. And we always just talk about really interesting, weird things. And so, you know, we want to put it out there for you guys. We're definitely going to be doing some episodes with some interviews that are going to be Patreon exclusive. And I definitely think we could start with John. That sounds like a great idea. Shout out to Drew at One Gram. And shout out to Lee from Covert Nerd Podcast. Love you. Hope you're doing well and all your children. Shout out to at Benji Loves You. And Not Your Pastors Podcast. Absolutely. And Mike from the Great Geek Refuge Podcast. Love you. And Shay at Shay Needs Yoga. Hey, at Author Mike Sims on Instagram. And shout out to Andy and Chuck Borowski. Hey, Andy. Hey, Chuck. We love you. We miss you. You should come over soon on a Friday so we can see you. Hope you guys are doing well. And last but definitely not the least, Cody. All right, guys, that's it for our episode. We love you all so much. Thank you Dearly. for turning in. Um, make sure you hit us up on Instagram at that one time I was abducted. Shoot us an email at that one time I was abducted at gmail.com. Find us on Reddit. Um, message us on Facebook. Just get in contact with us, guys. We love interacting. Yeah, we love you guys so much. Thank you again. I hope you guys loved this episode. DM us. Let us know what you guys think. And we'll talk to you next week. Uh, fuck you, Sky. And love you, Mountain View, California. No, and fuck you, Mountain View, California. Yeah.